Today is Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Hostages rescued in a daring Gaza raid, plus an update on the investigation into the Lakewood Church shooting. We'll have those top stories and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating. Go ahead and do it before you forget. And you can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We'd love to hear from you. We're getting through the news of the cray together, and we're so glad you are here. Joining me today to get through it is Madison Seals and Trey Gons Phillips. And we have a lot to get to, including on the focus story, a very this is a positive news story kind of amid the amid the darkness. We got a Hollywood star here, Madison, who broke ground on a pretty cool project that took a long time to get going. Yeah, this is a brainchild of Christian Bales from almost two decades ago, and it's based around wanting to keep children safe and also keeping them together with their siblings while they're in foster care. So pretty cool story. Yeah, looking forward to the details there. On the main thing, a journalist working to expose what's really happening with gender ideology unveils stories widely unheard in the transgender debate. Billy has the details on that for the main thing. And don't forget to subscribe to our new podcast, DC Debrief and Newsmakers. DC Debrief with John Stolness is a weekly roundup of everything going on in DC. And Newsmakers is one full length interview every day, Monday through Friday, that Billy has done. Don't miss those. All right, housekeeping's out of the way here. We're gonna get to the news in 90 seconds. A daring raid led to the rescue of two Israeli hostages, a 60-year-old and 70-year-old, a 60-year-old man and a 70-year-old man. They had spent 128 days in captivity. Both of them are in relatively good condition and have since been reunited with their families. The IDF told reporters yesterday that it was a complex rescue operation conducted in the middle of the night, 1.49 a.m. is when it kicked off and special forces entered the building where the hostages were held. They were on the second floor and in the hands of Hamas terrorists. The ground forces there encountered resistance throughout the whole operation. Once the hostages were recovered, they were escorted out under fire from Hamas. And then they were taken to a safe place and eventually airlifted out of Gaza by helicopter. The Lakewood Church shooter is identified as Genesee Moreno, but also went by the name Jeffrey Escalon uh, tomorrow. And during a press conference yesterday, investigating officers from the HPD confirmed the use of these multiple aliases and said that this shooter had a history of mental health issues. The, inve- the investigation is still ongoing. She had a long criminal history. And the officers also praised the responding officers that were working at Lakewood for their heroic actions. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNnews.com. Guys, the investigation's ongoing. And as you can tell by the difficulty of just getting through it, all the names, it's very confusing as to what's going on here. But by all accounts, it seems that you have a female here who brought her seven-year-old son to Lakewood Church, came in with an AR-15 style gun, threatened in some fashion the security guard at the front to get in, and then almost immediately started shooting. But two officers, and they received high praise during this press conference, 
uh, yesterday. And let me see if I have their names here. Yes, one of them was from the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission, the TABC. That's Agent Adrian Herrera. And then also Officer Christopher Moreno from the Houston PD. Now, if you notice, that's the same last name as the shooter. They said no relation. They said that in the press conference. That's just happenstance. But they said if it weren't for those two, the agent and that officer who were working security at Lakewood, that there would, if it weren't for their actions, there would be a lot more injuries, probably fatalities. They said, that, guys, that they were in a shootout with them for several minutes with this shooter uh, and at point blank range that she was shooting with this AR-15. And tragically, um, the boy, the young boy, her son is what they said in the press conference, was hit in the head with a round and went down to the ground. And, and she also died at that time as well when she got hit. He's still in critical condition. They, they all asked for prayers for this young boy, obviously. Um, no fault there. I mean, it's just horrible for him to be in that situation. But you have the heroics of those two uh, gentlemen, and then you just have this horrifying situation that everyone in this conference was asking for prayers for the church, for this shooter's family, and especially for that young boy. Yeah, I mean, stories like this are just... It, it just makes it clear that there's senseless evil that happens in the world, that there's just a spiritual blindness and brokenness that, that exists in our world right now because Satan is still is the prince and power of the air right now. And I think stories like this really um, kind of soberingly remind us of that. But um, you know, praise the Lord that those two off-duty officers uh, were there. And I know that they're police officers, but I think it's still the point is true that the, the best way to stop a bad person with a gun is to have good people who are able to, who have guns and are able to handle them appropriately. So um, yeah, it's just great that they were there and able to diffuse the situation. It's unfortunate the way it had to be dealt with that this woman decided for whatever reason to come and, and do what she did. Obviously it's still tragic, even though that she's, even though she's a criminal, you know, and, and did something horrendous it's sad that she ended up losing her life because we don't know if this woman i would assume this woman did not know the lord um and then also for her son that she would bring her child to to this place it's just clearly disturbed and yeah yeah i was about to say clearly somebody who is mentally spiritually very unwell so um yeah certainly continued prayers for her son and hopefully he uh, will not only get the physical help that he needs but also the spiritual and psychological help that he's going to need yeah for sure Right. I can only imagine what this child was facing before this shooting happened. I'm sure this isn't the first time. Well, we know it's not the first time that this person has been aggressive or arrested for things or at least charged with things in the past. So I can't even imagine this child's upbringing to this point. And hopefully, even though it's not an ideal situation, um, they can end up, this little boy can end up getting some help. Yeah, for sure. And seven years old is I mean, it's young, but you're old enough at that age, like you're starting to remember things and you'll have more yeah. of your long-term memory is sort of starting to kick in at that point. If you think back to your own childhood, you probably don't remember really anything from maybe four years old or something like that, four or five, but you probably start to have some memories at seven and eight, nine that, that stick around. And obviously this one's going to be a horrible memory that you just, hopefully he gets to at least have if he survives, like right? But that's the first step is that he's got this wound to right. the head. 
which mm-hmm. is just the worst possible place practically that he could have been hit. But and again, praying for these officers that responded because they and they said that they noted that at the beginning of the conference that they are really hurting right now because they had to do that. Right. There, there's no right. Uh, they they had to immediately know what they were facing. That's traumatizing. There, right. For them. I mean, gosh, to have to, to have to even just pull the trigger on a on another person, even if you know they're shooting at you, you're going to do it. Right. But it's still horrible to know that you have to take a life. But then to see a child there that's just caught in the middle, it's just, I can only imagine what they're going through. And they definitely, definitely, no doubt, need our prayers. One other thing to add, too, on this is that they found some anti-Semitic writings on the gun. There was a sticker that said Palestine. The officer said they're still investigating that aspect of things like for a possible motive they they don't have enough for to clarify and say we know that this is the motive yet they're still piecing that together which i think is wise by the way like let's not just haphazardly throw a motive on there which we see in when certain political narratives are happening the other way that tends to happen very fast but i i think it's wise to wait but those they said there's some relationship issues in the family some jewish relatives of an ex-husband and potentially that could be it. But they didn't want to say one way or the other. But those are a lot of the facts that we kind of know at this point in time. And we'll certainly keep you updated on that as more information becomes available. We're going to move over to the focus story now. And as Madison teased there at the top, you got the iconic star of the Dark Knight, Christian Bale, getting a cool project underground. It's taken him 16 years and it's it's pretty cool that he wanted to do this. Uh, so why don't you just say what the project is and then what sparked the idea in the first place? Yeah, so Christian Bale initially had this idea back around 2008, around the time that The Dark Knight came out. And he's lived in California since the 90s. And this idea kind of evolved over time to build foster care community housing after he heard about the huge number of children in foster care in LA County and that many of them had to be separated from their siblings while they were still in foster care. And from what I can tell, there wasn't any big specific event or memories from his childhood or his own childhood experiences or anything specific that sparked this idea. It was more just recognizing this growing need in his community and deciding to do something about it with his resources. Yeah. It, it, when you see the numbers, it is shocking, especially because most of the kids that get adopted, and I haven't looked at the numbers in front of me, but I have at one point, and I just remember the general trend, which is, of course, most adoptions are you know young children, babies, infants, um, very little. And then once those kids, for whatever reason, progress past that age, or maybe they become uh, get into the foster system later it's much more difficult for the older kids to get adopted and to get placed and, and, or, you know, to have a good place to be. And so then they age out of that system and it's just really tragic. So how, how is progress coming on, on this project so far? So this is something that Christian Bale admittedly underestimated, which is, mm-hmm. you know, evident by the fact that he and his team are just now breaking ground around 16 years after the idea kind of first came together, but he's finally been able to get all the necessary permits to build in the semi-rural city of Palmdale, which is about 60 miles from Los Angeles. And in the meantime, Bale hasn't been doing nothing. He actually visited Chicago and spent several days in 
children and family services meetings, and he recruited Tim McCormick, who had set up a similar program to help him head up this organization that became known as Together California. So now that they have the place and the backing and all the permits completed and everything, they're starting work on 12 homes and a community center, which will hopefully be set to be finished in April of 2025. That's really cool. What's the, uh, what is their stated goal of this housing? Well, the main goal is to provide shelter to children in foster care, but Christian Bale really emphasized that his goal is to keep siblings together. Mm. I know earlier you mentioned stats about children in foster care. And one study that I looked at showed that 65 to 85% of children entering the foster care system have at least one sibling Mm. and 75% of sibling groups end up living apart after they enter foster care. And that could be for lots of different reasons. They could be split up because families don't have room for more children. Maybe they can't afford to support one of them if they have special health needs. So whatever the reason, Christian Bale's goal with this community housing is to make sure that there's plenty of room for siblings to be able to stay together. And that's just so important when children are already experiencing the trauma of being separated from their parents and homes to at least have the comfort of some family and familiarity close by. Yeah, absolutely. And look, this just happened at my church. We had some speakers come in, these missionaries that we support, and they're giving an update on, you know, all the things that they're doing. And they had adopted a son years ago and when he was younger, but now he's in his twenties and he, they just found out that he had a, has a twin sister. And so they just got reunited in the last couple of years. And so super important when you're already going through all that trauma to, mm-hmm. you know, have, if you've got siblings to have them there with you, and then you at least have something and some connection. Well, hopefully this is just kind of the start of more developments in the area um, I mean, he, Bill mentioned that LA County is, this is a huge problem there. It's very evident. Yeah. So he's hoping that, you know, this will just spark lots more developments in the future. And this is just kind of a, kind of a start to see how yeah. it goes, but the community is fully in support of this. That's great. And Trey, I mean, it seems like, you know, you say 16 years, oh, it's a long time. And, you know, maybe there was all this red tape with the government and then maybe he didn't plan. But I think it's really actually a good thing that he, it seems like he's very intentional and taking his time on this thing so he could get it right. Yeah. Well, it's not something that he just said, because I think a lot of times, right. not Put even my name in, on in it, a bad you know? way, you kind of like, yeah, you want to slap your name on something or you have this fleeting idea and you say, let's do this. And then just nothing ever done. actually yeah. materializes or, or, yeah. or it's, or it's done and it's done it really, it's not really well done. And then you, the, the celebrity or the big name kind of just flies the coop and leaves and never, never has anything to do with it. But the fact that he's stuck with it now for 16 years shows that this is, as you were saying, Dan, something he actually cares about, wants to do. And it's great to see somebody like Christian Bale, a celebrity who has obviously a lot of money, but also a lot of influence in society and in his, his sphere of influence, uh, using his leverage to do something really good for his community. I think that's really encouraging. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. And uh, I mean, we'll look forward to uh, hopefully getting an update maybe whenever that project date comes around that they actually break or get it completed on what they're breaking ground with here and getting all these buildings done and and maybe we can get a positive update there. But nevertheless, good to have a, a positive story here in the midst of all the craziness going on, Madison. Appreciate you bringing that one to the table today. All right, we are going to head over to the main thing now. 
A journalist working to expose what's really happening with gender ideology unveils stories widely unheard in the transgender debate. Reporter Brandon Showalter joined Billy Hallowell for today's main thing. Brandon Showalter, so appreciate you coming on today. We have a lot to talk about. You have a new season of your podcast, Generation Indoctrination, and we will get into that. But I want to start with this issue of gender and what is happening in culture right now. So many issues the public have moved more into a secular arena on, and yet on gender, it's really a situation where the public, when you look at the polls, they're not supportive of transitioning children. The public does not want to see a lot of these things being taught in schools. Why do you think this one issue is so unique in that the public is not really moving alongside with the more progressive side of things? What I believe, Billy, is that I think that this issue does tap into something very primal. And I would I would just say that the other aspect of that is that it when you see children being hurt, that really gets people's attention. And we live in an age when doctors will go to work tomorrow and cut the breasts off of 13-year-old girls. I'm not making that up. We're watching children become sterilized. And when you're not able to procreate and have a family, that's a very primal and human thing. And so I think even people who are very secular, they're not religious people, it taps into something deeply human. And when people realize what's at stake, that children are being harmed in this way and that they are having their options you know, foreclosed because of an experimental uh, medical treatment protocol uh, that has no basis in science and there's no long-term studies to confirm that gender confusion in children uh, should be treated with you know, blockers, hormones, and surgery. I think just the extreme nature of it and the fact that it erases people's options, it, it taps into something primal and very human. And even secular people um, don't want to see that happen. Uh, possi possibly another option, um, another dimension rather to this is that even in this country where we do have you know, Christian, Judeo-Christian norms and ethics that has shaped the public mind in a way where even if people don't personally believe in God, that still does affect their thinking. And so perhaps some of the residual effects of that are still causing people to think that this gender transitioning, uh, I don't even like that phrase, but that this is just a bridge too far. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's a moment of grace. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you have, I mean, you have a couple of factors here too, right? You have the gender issue more broadly um, and people will debate that what's being taught in schools, what's being right. talked about, but then you have children. And as you were mentioning, children who go through surgeries that are irreversible and we've heard, and I know you have more than anybody heard some horrific stories of what has happened to people, especially those who detransition, right. you know, and recognize that this was not something that they should have gone through, but they've already gone through these surgeries and made life altering, you know, decisions about their bodies. When you're talking about kids, it seems to break through in a different way. And this is becoming a major problem, I think, obviously, for, for even politically for different sides who take different positions on this. But I want to I want to move into the, the podcast Generation Indoctrination. You decided to do a new season, a third season of this show. And this is a show just so people know, as you're listening to it, you're so drawn into the stories and at the same time horrified by what you're hearing because it's heartbreaking. But what made you want to do another another season of this show? There were several reasons that we felt like we had to do another season of our documentary style podcast series, Generation Indoctrination. Uh, and one of the main ones was that 
I think the tide really did turn in some significant ways in 2023. Mostly, we saw 17 states move against this. Uh, I think the most egregious harm, like you were just saying, is to children who are being put on these experimental drugs and undergoing these irreversible surgeries. And so to see that kind of uh, large scale push that is now shaping national discourse, that was just worthy of further journalistic, you know, analysis. And so we felt as though we owed it to our listeners to to show the progress of what has been happening. Whatever you think of the red state, it's, and this is happening in red states, let's be honest, whatever you think of the legislation, it's an important development because these states have now forced the issue. But that's not the only reason. Uh, the other thing is that there are families and, and children and young people who have had their lives completely destroyed by this. And that's not me by being hyperbolic. In episode three, we feature the fa- the parents who have been shattered by this. And I don't think that the parents have gotten enough of the voice of a voice uh, in this landscape. A lot of the detransitioners who underwent these drugs and surgeries made a lot of noise appearing at these state legislatures where they passed these, these bans on transing children hormonally and surgically. But I don't think we've heard enough from the families. And so in episode three of season three of this series, uh, we speak to several parents who have had their lives completely upended. Um, One of them in particular is a man by the name of Bill Mahoney, who's featured in the documentary Dead Name, in which I was honored to appear. And people can still go see that at deadnamedocumentary.com. But we we talk about in the episode how clinicians in his case were willing to put his 19-year-old cancer-stricken son on cross-sex hormones. We don't have conclusive proof of that, but the evidence is very compelling. I mean, these are medical atrocities that are worthy of, as I've often said, Nuremberg-style tribunals. And these parents have been screaming into the void for years, and very few people have been willing to give them a voice to let their concerns be heard. And so we were happy to capture those stories at the Christian Post. We also do feel, as the Christian Post, we want to explain why it's such a big deal to us as Christians. And so we did the final episode on how we should engage this subject theologically and ethically. And so we we took a more a theological angle on the final episode. Um, but there were just so many more stories that needed to be told in addition to the immense pushback that we are now seeing against gender ideology. Yes, in the medical arena, but also in schools, in prisons, in sports, and every other realm of culture where gender ideology has invaded. And let me tell you, Billy, it invades every single area of of cultural space. There's not a single place where you won't see the incursion of this insanity uh, in the Western world today. All right, Billy, thanks for that conversation with Brandon, eye-opening stuff, and obviously an issue that just is not going away anytime soon. So we're going to keep tabs on everything that's happening on that front. All right. We have time on the podcast today for one last thing. We're going to take a look at Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Such a good reminder. It's like back to basics, right? As Christians to remember, uh, remember what the foundation of our faith is. Yeah, absolutely. And thankful that He is the God of justice and also of peace and mercy. That gives us a reason to be at peace as well. Absolutely. And that we're not justified by our works because we'd all be in a lot of trouble if that were the the case, if we needed our works to justify ourselves. So it's our faith that uh, makes us right with God. So appreciate you all being here. As always, get on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. 
Lord willing. That creek don't rise on us. We shall return tomorrow with more. God bless. We'll see you then. <laughs>